What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me, as always, on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. Uh, we got a, we got a lot to talk about today, guys. We've got uh, the college football playoff rankings that I, I know you all saw, so let's not bury the lead. Our Georgia Bulldogs are ranked number one in the initial Coswell playoff rankings for the 2017 season. So we're going to be reacting to that, digging all into that here momentarily. But a couple quick things for you guys before we get in that direction. Curtis, is uh, he's got a couple things he's got to do here in a second, but he's got enough time to react to the rankings and us being uh, listed as the number one team in the country right now. So he'll be with us for about 10, 15 minutes doing the reactions part of this, and then he'll have to check out and I will continue on with the show and kind of finish up the Week 10 mailbag here. We didn't get to all of our questions last week, so we didn't want to leave people hanging. We got a few new questions this week, so we want to hit all of those points as well. But before we get into all that, just real quickly, you guys can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. We love to interact with you guys there, so do not be shy. You can also email us your thoughts uh, to our email address, which is GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com. I know we've got a lot of new people listening to the show. We really appreciate everyone checking us out. We really, really do appreciate that. Um, but for some of our newer listeners out there, there's a lot of platforms you can check us out on. I know you guys are listening to listening to us somewhere, somehow. But you can check us out on the big ones like iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, we're also on the DogSportsRadio.com, the DogSportsRadio Internet app. You can get that, download that at your, any of your app stores. And uh, you can also check us out on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well, but Kurt, I think I get out of here, man. So let's go ahead and dig into these college football playoff rankings. Let's kind of react to this. So I just want to start off simple, man. What was your initial reaction when you saw that we were ranked number one tonight? Um, I mean, I can understand the reasoning behind it, honestly. I mean, for, but like emotionally, what was your reaction? Were you just like, huh, okay, or were you like, holy crap? I kind of thought, um, darn. I thought there. I know you wanted to be number two, right? Yeah, I want to be number two, but I mean, I think it also. Um, can and be for, those of, as, for those for those of our listeners, who, I'm sorry to me to cut you off, but those of our listeners who are not going to check out the, the show on Monday, why do you want us to be number two? I know that sounds I think weird. Just, I mean, I think it gives you fuel. I mean, like Nick Saban's been all he's been wanting is some fuel for his team, and he just got it. The rat poison, I, right? Yeah, and I think we could have had that if it if it gave, uh, you know if we had been number two. But at the same time, I think this team, like you know, this program has been a long time since we've been in this position. I think it also, you know, gives our uh, number one at the same time can give our players something to play for. Yeah, you know that, that's true. That's true. I mean, uh, you guys, if you listen to the show on Monday, you know that I'm not I'm not too surprised by this. I uh, I don't want to say I expected. I didn't expect us necessarily to be ranked number one, but I thought it was a very real possibility because you know if you look at the resumes of those teams that are in that top four, top five, top six range, I think we have the best resume. I think we clearly have the best win of all of those teams on the road at Notre Dame and true freshman's first start. We also got a win over the number 16 team, a blowout win over the number 16 team in the country in Mississippi State. That's helping us right now. So uh, I think, you know, with us in Alabama, like, are you, do you really think that we're the better team? Should we be ranked? I know you want us to be number two because you want the, the edge and kind of that hunger and that's like the I guess the disrespect card that coaches can play. But do you really think that we deserve to be ranked ahead of Alabama right now? I mean, I think yeah, built on the schedule and everything that you look at. Like the guy, if you watch the show, he said that you know it's not built on you know all the statistics when you put them side by side. But more or less, you look at a certain criteria, and I think if you based on the criteria that they choose chose from, such as like who we've played and things like that, then in the head to head wins and things like that, then we do. I mean, that's why you saw someone like Oklahoma ahead of Ohio State. 
Well, there's no. I, I, I was saying this on Monday. Like, I, I know Ohio State. Everyone was really hyped up on them after the win over Penn State. And I didn't want to be caught in the, as a prisoner in the moment. I don't know how you could have had them over Oklahoma. And Oklahoma won in Columbus by two plus touchdowns. And, I, and the committee bear that out. I think if they would have had Ohio State above Oklahoma, people have been raising all sorts of hell over that. And I think they kind of, they more or less say, look, we just simply don't want the the blowback from having Ohio State ahead of them. But That's I, all it was. I mean, especially it, it was the name. You know, Ohio State's always got a big name and a big pool with uh, people in the AP and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I. I think, look, if you look at all the, the standards of measure, if you look at all the, the statistics and the game measurement stats or game control stats that uh, all the, the committee really looks at, Alabama, is, they're, they're slightly ahead of us in most of those categories at this point. But the thing is, it's, it's so infinitesimal. It's such a small margin that they're ahead of us in those categories that I think our win over Notre Dame and our win over Mississippi State, our blowout win over Mississippi State right now, was enough to kind of push us just slightly over the top ahead of them. Because everything else is pretty even. Like I said, they're slightly ahead of us in most statistical categories and game control categories, but not by far. I think they've outscored their opponents like 42-9 to 9 or something. We outscored our opponents like 38-11, to 11, something like that. So they're a little bit ahead of us there, but we also played a, a tougher schedule at this point. Uh, at least with playing Notre Dame and Mississippi State, the t- two caliber teams they have not played to this point. I, mean, I still I'll say the best team Alabama's played is Texas A&M. I think the committee recognized that. So... Uh, but you talked about the criteria, and I know that they were trying to explain that if you watched the show there, Kirby Hoka, you know, the the committee chairman right now. But, and I, I'm look, I'm glad we're number one, and I think that we should be number one. But when you talk about the criteria, if you look at the, the rest of the rankings, I think they just pick and choose whatever criteria they want to apply to whatever team. There's no consistency yeah, I mean, just, whatsoever. I mean, you got to think last year, what was the argument with Ohio State over Penn State? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no consistent. There's not exactly like, there's no consistency because if you look at okay, so they have us over Alabama because in my opinion, and they basically voiced this in the in the show. They have us over Alabama because we have a better win, right? By virtue of our win over number three Notre Dame, we were put ahead of Alabama. But for Notre Dame, it's largely about who they've lost to. Yeah, they got a couple of nice wins. You got a win over Michigan State and and USC and North Carolina State. Those are all good teams, not great teams, but they're good teams. But Notre Dame's big claim to fame right now is that they're, they would be undefeated if it was not for a one-point loss to the number one team in the country. So they're ranked where they are largely because, well, yeah, they have one loss, but their loss is really good. They kind of pick and choose what criteria they apply to what teams. For some teams, okay, who have you beaten? For some teams, how how dominant have you been? Have you been? For some teams, it's, okay, what does the eye test tell me? For some teams, it's, okay, let's look at the statistics, and you're just so far and above better than everyone else. So I... That I have an issue with. Right now, it's hard for me to have an issue as a Georgia guy because we're number one. But we might not always be number one. And I just hate how the committee kind of inconsistently applies some of the logic and some of the criteria that they use. So they, they, and they, they, they're open about this. Like Each member has a different – like they, they put criteria in different order. Like one member may say, okay, well, uh, who you beaten for me is number one. Whereas another member might say, okay, for me, it's about uh, game control. How, how much are you dominating teams by? And so for me, that's that's kind of frustrating as a fan. I wish that we had computers. I think that would be the easier way. I like the playoff, but I wish we had computers that were selecting because you kind of take the human element out of the equation. But I guess I'm just picking. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a hard because you saw how bad the BCS was when it came to the computer. But but they were only picking two teams. Now you've got four. I mean, with the BCS, the only argument was, okay, well, the number three, the number four team should have been up there. Now you have that. The three and four team are already in. I just think the computers are a lot less biased when it comes to ranking these teams as – 
compared to humans. So there is like when you put the numbers in the, into the computers, you say, okay, you weigh this heavier than you weigh that. Whereas with the committee, one guy weighs weighs one uh, category this way, another guy weighs another criteria a different way, and it's just there's just no consistency well, yeah, across I mean, the board. The thing that bothers me the most is like, oh, we want the four best teams. Well, then what's the point of the criteria and all these things? It's because I mean, you've seen it in the past years when Ohio State has made it the first year, and then this past year when their record didn't match up with some of these other teams, but it was just because they wanted them in there more. Or less. They thought they were the better right. team, which is not always the you know the right argument. I mean, look at last year. How do you take them over Penn State when they get going in there and then get blown out? Yeah, my thing is. How do you determine best team? Okay, because some people you hear them say best team, you're right. And then some people say, well, it's the most deserving team. Okay, well, how do you reconcile the two? Are they different? Is that not the same thing? Or if they are different, how are they different? Because to me, which way would you lean? Would you go best team? Like, like and that to me, that's more eye test, right? That's more eye test. That's yeah, that's like, way like more the subjective. Whole Jesse Palmer argument out there that oh, it should just be you know you should just go ahead and say well if these two teams played who would win? So if this team would win when they played, then they should be ranked higher. I mean, well, that, that takes just, the red. Then, the, then who cares who you play? Then resume doesn't matter. Exactly, and that's the whole thing. I mean, that's I really can't stand most of his arguments. I mean, he talks about one of how Notre Dame's one of the most physical team in the nation out there and everything, but yet they couldn't stand our physicality. And that's why I say I would rather I keep the playoff but have computers. So with the computers, you take the subjective – you take a lot of the subjectiveness out of the equation. Now, you, the only thing that's subjective about the computers is whoever is determining what, uh, what criteria is weighed – Heavily, and what criteria is not weighed as heavily? But you take that subjectiveness, or most of the subjectiveness, I should say, out of the equation. Because you got the human element, there's always going to be a high level of subjectivity. Case in point, Jesse Palmer, right? So if, to me, like if you're saying best team, that's entirely subjective. It's what the team that I think is the best team is different from what Jesse Palmer might think, and it's different from what you might think, different from what Kurt Herbstreit or David Pollock might think. To me, that's way too subjective. And then, so if you go to the other side, the most deserving team, well, you have to ask yourself, okay, how do you measure who's most deserving? And I guess you weigh that by strength of schedule and who you've beaten. I mean, is that how you would do it? I don't know. It's just all. That's it's all I over the place. Just, it needs to be like, it needs to be set out ahead of time and say these are the rules that you should follow. Well, they kind of have that. They have committee guidelines. The thing is, the committee doesn't follow their own guidelines because they're human beings and they're imperfect. That's why I say make it a computer where there there are very specific criteria that are spelled out in a formula and it spits out the four best teams. To me, that's the way to go. I, I don't understand why we had to get rid of the computers in the first. I know the BCS wasn't perfect, but that's because you only have two teams there. I mean, honestly, go back to the BCS. When did you ever have a situation where team number five or team number six had a legitimate argument to be in the national championship? I don't know off the top you of my head. You didn't really have it. You didn't. You didn't. I mean, okay. So 2012, we had a legitimate I mean, argument, the right? Biggest joke was the year LSU jumped up. Oh, 2007. When they had two year. losses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, but and that was, but that was like the year of craziness in 2007. That was insanity that year. But in most years, it was three or four teams that had a legitimate argument, but you could only have two teams. So people got up in arms with number three, number four. They're just as good as number one, number two. Why should they have a chance? So now we fixed that with the playoff system, but I don't know why we had to get rid of the computers. And that's just me. I'm, I know a lot of you probably completely disagree with me on that, but I, I, I wish we would go back to the computers picking the top four teams. Because I just, I hate, like, you talked about Jesse Palmer and some of the, the idiotic arguments they make. Well, if you take them out of the equation and put it in the computer, then... You don't have those issues. Uh, do you think if if we keep winning and Alabama keeps winning, right? Let's say we win out, Alabama wins out. Do we stay number one? Um, I don't think so. Really? Alabama could jump us even if we both go undefeated from here on? Because we both I have wins over is, Auburn. I think the thing is that they would pass us up with the number of ranked wins, I believe. I can't 
I mean, because they, they they still have Mississippi State on their schedule, and they still have Auburn. Those are the only two teams worth any. I guess LSU. They have well, LSU. LSU's ranked high. LSU's right. 19th right they got now. Ni- so. they, they got number 19. They've got number 14. I'm sorry, number 16 with Mississippi State. And then they've got Auburn, who is number 14 left on their schedule, right? So and they've that's got, the thing. If, so if we were to win out, we would be one more ranked team at Auburn, which would be three, and they'd have – would they have three or four? I can't remember off the top. Well, of right that. now they would only have they they haven't they don't have a victory over a ranked team right now. I'm looking That's right true. now. They only have one with a winning record. Yeah. Um, I. It's just hard to say. I mean, it also depends on what happens to Notre Dame. Say they true. get blown out by Virginia Tech and Miami. And if, if Mississippi State loses to Alabama, well, then that knocks Mississippi State down a notch, and that's one of our other good wins. So it's it's tough to say here. I mean, there's a chance. And, and you don't know. Maybe we play Auburn really close and Bam blows them out. I mean, Yeah, or vice versa. We could blow them out and Bam plays them close. Uh, it's possible. There's a lot left to play. I, I will say by virtue of us being number one right now, it's going to be hard for them to jump us because we have very similar – I mean, yes, they have LSU and they have Mississippi State left. But we've already played Mississippi State. We both have Auburn on the road. But honestly, if we both go undefeated the rest of the way, it's not going to matter who's one and two because we're going to play each other in Atlanta. And that's going to decide it right there. There's just simply no doubt about it. Um, so I guess for me, my reaction, going back to the initial question there is I had a little smile on my face. I'm not going to lie. Just the, like honestly, before the season, did you think that – we, I mean, what what percentage chance would you have gotten if before the season I threw this at you, like on a preview show? I said, "Okay, Kurt, right now, give me the percentage chance that University of Georgia is going to be ranked number one in the initial college football playoff rankings in week after or go, in week ten. What would you have put uh, that at? Probably 0.069. Oh man, the sixty nine, dude. Come on, this is a family show. Uh, yeah, I mean, something like that, right? So yeah, and well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just so low. I mean, you have to. I mean, and I think not only that, I would have guessed it, but I think people all year last year and all offseason, all we heard was not doubt in the in the team, but the doubt in the coaching staff. And Kirby Smart, that he was just a yeah. good assistant coach. We should have hired Tom coach. Herman, man. Don't you realize we should have hired Tom Herman, right? Yeah, we should have hired Herman. We should have hired other people. But then now you look at it and think, wow, within, I, I think it was one year, 10 months, and so but in so many days, Kirby has built a team that is now number one in the nation. I know it's not the end of the season, but he's already gotten us to this point. And that is only going to get better as you see what he's building in the recruiting race. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you, man. It's, 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 that's the it's thing. Like, this the is the beginning. This is the beginning. It's changed the narrative. I mean, it's helped us in recruiting and everything now. But, I mean, just being number one at this point has helped us because we've shown a lot of these ki- programs that tried to tell these kids, just wait and see, you know, just wait and see like they did last year. They'll fall on their face and they'll just come to us. Well, that's not the case. Right. And what were we saying before the season with all these high-level recruits that we were in it for, but they were kind of playing wait and see with us because they wanted to, okay, well – because they were here, like you just said, everybody, all the other uh, teams out there and the, all of our rivals were, were negatively recruiting against us, saying, well, Kirby hasn't proven anything. He, yeah, he was a good he was a coordinator, he was a good recruiter, but he hasn't proven anything as head coach. He can't get it done. What's he done? I mean, just, just like look at us, uh, you know, Tuesday night, Owen Popo dropped his final three um, 2019 linebacker of uh, Nebraska, Clemson, and Georgia. And I mean, before at the— We were know, an afterthought. Yeah, it didn't fall practice. I mean, we were probably maybe fifth on that, more likely fifth in the five range of, you know, his soon-to-be top three. And, you know, look at how much it's changed with how we've gone out and played. Yeah, being number one absolutely has an effect on that. And the perception is, is awesome. And there's a lot of players that – what I was saying was, like, we had players before the season that were completely in wait-and-see mode with us. So they were hearing all the negative recruitment against our coaching staff. And we kept saying we ha- – 
if we win this season, we can have a huge recruiting class, maybe even better than last year, or at least in that same level, that same cover. Here we are, number five right now with a lot of guys, a couple guys left out there that can push, push us even higher than that in the 247 composite rating. So it's been huge for us, and it's been just so quick. But with all that said, like, that's like when I saw this, like, like you said, like you put it at a point zero six nine percent chance. That's about where I would have, somewhere around there. Maybe not so specific, but somewhere around there uh, in terms of us being number one in the initial ranking. So I'm not gonna lie, I, I cracked a smile, man. Like it, I just, it was kind of surreal I mean, for a second. I think it's nice to actually get a little bit of respect because even when we were winning for so much, so, I mean, for so long in the season, we we're getting disrespected. I mean, they were taking TCU above us, right? And we would drop over Penn State putting above us, and who had Penn State beaten? Right. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I think, you know, Georgia had not gotten any respect that more or less we were only in the top four after so long out of the other teams losing, not because we've been winning. Right. Yeah, and I just – so with all of that, like I, like I said, I just – I cracked a smile, man. I, I, it was a surreal moment just, just seeing us in that number one spot, and it might not last. I don't know. But just the fact that we were there right at this point, like it just feels like – and I know Kirby was asked this question. He's like, there's no schedule. But it feels like we're ahead of schedule. Uh, you know, it really does. I thought maybe next year would be the year we could make a, a legit run, but here we are right now. So I'm not going to lie, I cracked a smile. But then immediately, the next thought that popped in my head was like, okay, this is great. This is great, all right? This is uncharted waters for us. It's been a while since we've earned this. You know, 2008, we were preseason number one. We hadn't earned anything. We were just kind of anointed in preseason 2008. But we've earned this, okay? We've earned this right now. But saying that, after, you know, I, I felt good for a second, but it it really doesn't mean anything right now. Like, I guess it's better to be number one than anything else, right? But it all this tells us right now is that if we keep winning, we will have a chance to play for a national title. But we simply cannot be satisfied. As Kirby likes to say, man, we've all kind of taken hold of this. you got to keep chopping wood. Being ranked number one in Week 10 is not the goal. It's great. It's great, but it's not the goal. Winning national titles is the goal, and for that to happen, we still got a long way to go, man. There's a lot of games left to play. A lot of tough games, a lot of potential landmines down the stretch here. So this is it, it's it's great right now to beat. I'd rather be number one than be number two, three, or four. I know you'd rather be number two. I, I'm I'm glad we're number one, right? I mean, I can live with being one because I think our like you said, it's not like 2008 when we were just anointed. No, our team has worked for this. We've earned this, right? No one's given us anything, and all these people want to say, "Well, Georgia hasn't played anybody." Do get out of here with that. Get out of here with that we have earned this, all right? We are beating teams senseless. I mean, Alabama is too, but we're beating teams just as senseless right now, essentially. And we've got a couple better wins than Alabama. So I have no issue. I, I will fight anyone. I will sit here and punch you in the face if you say we don't deserve to be number one. We deserve it right now. Whether we end up there or not, I don't know. I can't predict that right now. I think we got a shot, but I can't sit here and say we will. But we deserve to be number one right now. But uh, And we've earned that. We didn't so much earn that in 2008. But just can't be satisfied, man. Got to keep chopping that wood. All right, real quick here. Let's get off the number one spies. Look at the rest of the rankings. I mean, the top four, five, or six here. Was anything surprising? Were you surprised to see Notre Dame in at number three? Um, not at all, because I think some of their wins, um, they're giving them a little bit of credit. Like, I think Michigan State is, is making their win, them look really good, even though I believe Michigan State is a little really overrated, and that their win over Michigan is, you know, really overrated. Michigan State, um, Michigan's not good. Michigan State just lost to Northwestern, and I know they're 6-2, and two, but come on. I, mean, I don't think Michigan State is a good To me, it's a really uninspiring 6-2. and two, yeah. I mean, and so that's really helping, NC, or, uh, helping Notre Dame, and then the win over NC State, and I mean, the win over USC, but USC is really 
really extremely overrated, as usual. I mean, um, they should have lost to Texas. They should have lost to Utah. I mean, right now, they realistically should have four losses. Yeah, I mean, if you look at who Notre Dame's beaten, okay, they beat, <laughs> Notre Dame has beaten a couple of good, real, a pretty, they've beaten some good teams, not great teams. Southern Cal is a good team. They're not great. NC State's a good team. They lost, Let's not forget, NC State lost to South Carolina. They're a good team, but they're not great. Uh, they beat Michigan State, like you said. Michigan State... Michigan State's pretty good. I don't even know if they're good. I think they're pretty good. I think by the time it's all said and done, Michigan State's at least a four-loss team. They guess they got to play Ohio State and Penn State. They're at least a four-loss team, potentially a five-loss team if they get upset somewhere. But they're eight and four at best right now. So they got those wins. And if you look at – here's my thing. Like, look at Clemson, all right? Clemson has wins over – look at the numbers. over number At number 13, Virginia Tech, at night, okay? They've got that win. Uh, they've got a win over number 14, Auburn, at home. It's still a win over number 14, Auburn. That's number, those, those are wins over the number 13 and number 14 team in the country right there. Uh, one of those was on the road at night. Very tough environment Lane Stadium. Whereas Notre Dame, all their big wins, all of them came at home. Okay, well, I guess Michigan, yeah. Michigan State was on the road, but again, I don't know. Well, not only that, but the only loss Clemson has is when the quarterback gets exactly. hurt. Exactly. All right, so you lose to Syracuse, which is a de- – they're not ranked, but they're a decent team, and your quarterback gets knocked out of the game. Like, that has to factor into it, right? I mean, you even heard the uh, whole cut say that. Yeah, it's got it's got to factor into it. So I, I don't know, man. Like it's again, that kind of comes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't have an issue with Notre Dame being ranked in the top four. I, I like I said on Monday, I would have had I went back and forth between them and Oklahoma at four and five. I had Notre Dame right at number five. I just thought Oklahoma had a better win than Notre Dame has. Notre Dame has a couple of good wins, but they're not great wins. Winning at Ohio State by two plus touchdowns, that's a great win for Oklahoma. So that's why I had Oklahoma at four. But I'm okay with Oklahoma being at five. I think Clemson deserves. Like, like we said, to be in the top four, I had them at number three. If I was ranking, it would have been Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, then Notre Dame five, Ohio State six. So I don't have, I'm not, I don't have too many differences with the committee, but I think Oklahoma, by virtue of that win, Ohio State. And look, Iowa State, I know everyone's like, well, they lost to Iowa State. All right, dude, well, Iowa State's only got two. They're number 15 right now. That's not that bad they of a loss. two top five teams. Yeah, exactly. They beat two, they, well, I guess two top and eight I teams think, now. I think the most justified thing was the Penn State at seven. Exactly. Who has Penn State beaten? Honestly, what is their best win? Well, Iowa. To this point, their best win is they'll claim it's Michigan, but Michigan's gonna finish fourth in the East. Is Michigan? I'm looking at this. Michigan's not in the top twenty-five, right? No, they're not in the well, top. No, but they'll claim that's their best win oh. for Penn State. Penn, Michigan's your best win. Okay. All right. Well, then that's I, I. You got no argument if you're gonna say Michigan or Iowa is your best win because that's all they can say. Now they played they and they played Ohio State really tough, but moral victories don't count. They shouldn't count. So yeah, I mean Penn State number seven ahead of. Of Wisconsin, like here, so again, like Penn State and Wisconsin, right? So here's what I'm talking about: the inconsistency and in how they rank the teams. Penn State is one loss, right? To Ohio State, Ohio State's a really good team. That's a respectable loss. Penn State shouldn't hang their head over that loss. But who is Penn State beating? Because the argument against Wisconsin is, well, they haven't beaten anybody. Well, who is Penn State? Is, who have they beaten that's any better than what Wisconsin's played? Anyone? I mean, I, no one, right? That's probably really fair. I mean, in Miami, like who has Penn State beaten that's better than who Miami's beaten? And, and the but for them, it's like, well, they, what the committee is saying is, well, Penn State, they pass the eye test. They pass the eye test more than Wisconsin does. They pass the eye test more than Miami does. So, they're being again, they're being inconsistent. They're applying one set of logic and one set of rules to Penn State when they're applying a different set of rules to us. Or they're applying a different set of rules to Notre Dame or Alabama, whoever it might be. And that's just, it drives me crazy. It absolutely drives me insane. But, uh, hey, man, we're number one right now. It might only last a couple more days. I don't I mean knock on wood there. Anything can happen in college football, but it's better to be there right now than be anywhere else. So I'll I'll gladly take it right now. I think it's really good for perception purposes. Um, So we can can kind of, recruits see that, man. You know they see that. It kind of, 
it helps to change the narrative. Even if we don't necessarily finish a season number one, which we got a long way to go for that, but the fact that we're ranked number one right now, it starts to change that narrative. It kind of pushes up, up even more into that elite category, which we I think we already are in that category based on what we've done this year. But it's just kind of another feather in our cap here. So, uh, yeah, guys, uh, it's it's just it's great to see. We just got, like I said, keep chopping wood. All right, Kurt, I know you got to run, man, so I'll let you get out of here. Uh, appreciate it, man. We'll have you back, what, for, for uh, tomorrow for the preview show, right, for South Carolina? Yes. All right, man. See you later, dude. All right, guys. Enough about the college football playoff rankings. We'll be doing this each and every week. Obviously, down the stretch, every Tuesday, we'll have the playoff rankings released. Hopefully, we do enough to keep ourselves in that conversation. So we'll be reacting to that each and every week from here on out through the rest of the regular season. But I do want to go ahead and transition into the mailbag. We had a couple of questions from last week that we did not quite get a chance to get to, and I hate to leave you guys hanging, so I definitely want to get to those from last week to kind of carry them over. We also have some new questions from this past week as well, so I want to make sure that we take some time to get to all of your questions here. So we're going to go ahead and get into it, or I'm going to go ahead and get into it. I guess I'm used to always having Kurt here saying we, but without my wingman, dude, it's kind of weird here. But we're going to start with Dalton, and Dalton asks, a pretty good scenario. I guess we're kind of sticking with the playoffs here for a second. But his scenario is, suppose Georgia and Alabama roll into the SEC Championship game 12-0. and What are your thoughts about the possibility of Georgia losing the SEC Championship game but still sneaking in as a four seed for the college football playoff? Dalton, this uh, interesting that you mentioned this, this, uh, this scenario here, Dalton, bring this question up because this is something I've been freaking myself out over. Over the past couple weeks, actually down in Jackson, on the way to Jacksonville, I was annoying the crap out of my wife, just going over and over all the different scenarios, and this is the one that I was freaking out about. And to be fair, she was kind of freaking out about it too. She sees that as a possibility as well. So you're not alone there, Dalton, in thinking about this. But I'm freaking out about this possibility because honestly, no matter how much I try to convince myself that we could actually run the table undefeated in the regular season and then go to Atlanta and beat Bama, I have to be honest, guys, I still deep down feel like it's unlikely that we beat Bama. It's obviously possible we're good enough to beat Alabama. I, I still feel like we're just a hair underneath them right now in the pecking order. We, we still have a little bit to go. They're still a little deeper than us. They have a little more talent at certain positions than we do. We are capable of beating them if we play our A game and they play and, and they don't play quite to their capability. But if both teams play to their highest capabilities, I think Bama is still a notch better than us right now. I don't know how long it'll stay that way, but right now I think that's probably still the case. So because of that, it's kind of freaking me out. And I know that if that is a scenario where we – lose to Bama in a, in a close game in the SEC title game, kind of like 2012 after going undefeated in the regular season, if we're lucky enough or if we do enough, I shouldn't say lucky, it's nothing about luck, it's about doing, but if we do enough to go undefeated in the regular season and get to the, the championship game in Atlanta, lose a tight one to Alabama like 2012, in that scenario, with all the SEC fatigue that is out there around the country, especially after Bama and LSU had their rematch in the national championship game, that's going to weigh heavily against us, that SEC fatigue around the country. I think, personally, we would be deserving in that scenario, since our only loss would be to what I would assume would be the number one team in the country in Alabama, and then we also have a top 10 uh, win on our road, where we beat a top 10 team on the road, Notre Dame, and we would have beaten Auburn on the road in that scenario. I think we'd be deserving if that was to kind of transpire, but here's the thing. I just don't trust the committee. In fact, I hate the selection committee. I hate the conception of of a selection committee. I don't know why we have to have this. I'm not, I just don't understand why we had to move away from the computers. The playoff is great. Don't get me wrong. 
I love the playoff. I, I'm glad we're done with the BCS era, but I'm not sure why the computers had to be changed. Why do we have to introduce a human element into the equation? We can put all the criteria we want into the computers and have them spell out who the top four teams are. Because with the committee, with the human element, here's the problem. The criteria they use, they have these guidelines, right? But the criteria they apply to different teams, it's a moving target. And they apply their criteria inconsistently from team to team. Well, team A might be, might be ranked high because of their strength of schedule. That could be the committee's argument. Well, team B might be ranked high because of the eye test. That's the committee's argument. So it's just inconsistently applied from team to team. They basically use whatever criteria they want. And that drives me insane. And there's too much subjectivity in, in, in the equation, in my mind. But I'll say this. If Notre Dame ends with one loss, and our only loss is a close one to Bama in the SEC title game, if Notre Dame then gets into the playoff ahead of us because they're Notre Dame and we we lost to Alabama, and I hear like Greg McElroy and a couple other people out there saying, well, if Georgia lost the SEC title game, they wouldn't deserve to be there, even if they were undefeated in the regular season because they would have been, the SEC, the SEC championship game is a de facto playoff game. It's like a de facto quarterfinal game. So they shouldn't be in. And Notre Dame should be in in, in that scenario if, they're, if their only loss was to Georgia. I don't, what are you talking about if that's the case? So, the game against Alabama, the SC title game, that game counts more than the second week of the year when Notre Dame lost to us at home. So you're going to say that our game against Alabama is a de facto playoff game. Well, if every game is supposed to matter, and that's why we only have 14 playoff, not an 8 or 16 team playoff, why doesn't Notre Dame's game against us when they lost at home, why doesn't that matter just as much as us losing to Alabama? Why is our game against Alabama a de facto playoff when Notre Dame's lost to us is not a de facto playoff? It's ridiculous when we beat Notre Dame head-to-head. So if that is a scenario that plays out, and I don't, there's a lot of football left to play. We've got to hold Byron to the bargain. Other teams got a lot of games left to play too, especially Notre Dame. But if that ends up happening, if Notre Dame with one loss, which would be to us at home, if they end up getting in over us after we lose a tight one to Bama in the NFC title game, I would spontaneously combust. I would spontaneously combust. I will no longer be this earth. But here's the thing, guys. I fully expect that to happen. So I guess I better just get to saying all my goodbyes. But I'm with you, Dalton, man. It concerns me. I think we could sneak in as the four seed. But I also, if Bama is still the one seed, if they come out of Atlanta as the one seed, I highly doubt that the cultural playoff committee is going to put us at the four seed because we would have a rematch right away in the first semifinal game against Alabama. I just don't see that. I don't think we would sneak in as a four seed. Maybe they would put us in as a three seed just to avoid the rematch with Bama. But man, I just, if we lose that way, I just, I don't have any faith in the committee. I don't. I think we'd be one of the four best teams and we we would be deserving, but just don't have faith in the committee. I really don't, unfortunately. All right, next question here is from John. John says, I read in an interview after the Florida game that the defensive line was given the freedom to rush the passer more, which would explain the lack of discipline up front. I think he, meaning Kirby, actually let the Wolf Pack loose. John, I agree with you. I think that, and, and Devin Bellamy essentially said this after the game. I think that's who you're referencing. That you know they were asked about how do we get five sacks after have, having some struggles and are rushing the pass in the past couple games. And he essentially said, well, he, he, he let us rush the pass. He kind of unleashed us, I think is the, is the language that he used. And that's absolutely true. He did. He, uh, the Davin Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter were given more opportunities to kind of pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. To typically, Kirby has, at least in the first year and a half of being our head coaches, demonstrated that he prefers a, a, a controlled pass rush, almost like a mush rush type situation, especially against quarterbacks and kind of hurt you with their legs. And Felipe Franks, while you know, he had one run against us, had a long run against A&M a couple weeks ago, he's not really a guy that's going to consistently challenge you with his legs. So I think we said, all right, we're going to pin our ears back and get after this guy and enforce him into some mistakes. And we absolutely did. We had a lot of success with that. But I do think you're right, John. I think one of the reasons that we uh, had so many issues in the run game, and there's one play in particular that's staying out in my mind right now where uh, P. Ryan was able to bust on the outside. And what had happened on that play essentially uh, – 
Frank's hands off to Pete Ryan, but he carries out the fake and rolls out. And when he rolled out, David Bellamy peels out with him because he was rushing the passer. He was hoping to get a second. His eyes wide open going after that passer. And when he, when he did that, he opened up the rush lane there, and Pete Ryan was able to gash us for a big gain right there. So I do think that was a part of it. Absolutely. I think you're onto something there. But, I mean, to me, that's really, I think this is case in point why our our defense coordinator, Mel Tucker, and Kirby Smart do not unleash our guys more to rush the passer because when we do, they can't control their aggressiveness enough and they give up big plays like that. So I think that's one of the reasons that we don't allow them to kind of get off the leash a little bit and just pin your ears back and rush the passer because things like that happen. you got to play the run as well and you've got to be disciplined. If they can show they can be disciplined and still rush the passer very well, they might get a little more freedom. But when you're given freedom, yeah, we got five sacks, but they're also able to gash in a lot. A, a big part of that, not the only reason, but a big part of that was the fact that we just not play with good discipline and we did not play with proper leverage on the on the uh the edges there so i think you kind of i mean that's i think i do think that's case in point there john i do uh all right the next question here is from endure inspire appreciate the question man and uh he asked does Fromm's performance against florida concern you at all i mean those mistakes cannot be made against auburn or alabama uh, i completely respect where you're coming from and I, and I can't sit here and say that i was not frustrated with uh especially with the uh the back-to-back delay of game penalties. That's just, that can't, you're right. I don't think that should be happening. But when it comes to the interception, we talked about this a little bit on Monday's show. Look, guys, with the idea that we can't make those mistakes against Auburn, Alabama, but I I don't know if that's true. I mean, quarterbacks throw interceptions. Yes, quarterbacks throw an interception against Auburn. Yes, they throw an interception against Alabama. I know Deshaun Watson's night and day. It's a different quarterback. But yeah, he threw interceptions against Alabama, and they still won, okay? So, Quarterbacks throw interceptions. Yes, even against Bama, even against against the type of uh, a defense that Auburn has, quarterbacks get delay of games. They do, uh, and I'm just I'm, I guess I'm not sure why we're holding Fromm to a higher standard than everyone else. We did the same thing with Easton last year. We held him this insanely high standard as a true freshman, and it was unfair to Easton then, and it's unfair to Fromm now. Sure. Fromm has a, some things to clean up. I'm not trying to suggest he does it. I would rather he not throw interceptions. I would rather we not have the delay of game penalties. But I will still maintain that interception was not near as bad as some are making it out to be. Should he have probably thrown the ball away? Probably. Stone a jump, a potential jump off to Sony Michelle uh, up the sideline, the best decision? Probably not. I, he probably should have thrown the football away. But it was a miscommunication. It happens to quarterbacks across the country week in and week out. He thought that he thought that Sony was going to continue up the sideline. Sony cut off his route and and they throw the interception. All right, wasn't a great pick. I don't think it was a terrible pick. I mean. It, it's, at least I understand what was going on there. I understand what Fromm was thinking. It wasn't one of those things like, dude, what were you thinking? I get what he was thinking there. I do wish he would have thrown away, but I get where he was going with that. When the delay, the, the delay of game penalties, the first one was bad. You can't have that, right? You can't have that. The second penalty, again, you can't have it, right? It should not happen, but I think what happened, I talked about this on Monday's show, was that he assumed that the play clock was reset to 40 seconds after that first penalty. But they're not. After the penalties, it's reset back to 25. And it kind of caught him off guard there. And he's the he's the guy. He's got to kind of see that. He's got to call a timeout if he needs to call a timeout. The coaches do to get the plays in a little quicker. But judging by what how Kirby reacted from, it looks like it was more on from. And I, and I think it probably was. But that's a, that's a learning experience for a true freshman. Now, you, I can almost guarantee you now, he will know that after a penalty, the clock does not reset to 40 seconds. It resets to 25, and he will not make that mistake again. That's one of the reasons that I think we're in good hands with Jake Fromm is he'll make mistakes like true freshmen do. They're going to make mistakes, but he will learn from them. He has shown that. Just like in Vanderbilt when he steps out of bounds when he was uh, on his on his run down the edge there, just about a half yard short of the first down, comes to the sideline, Kirby goes apoplectic on him, just about destroys him, just freaks freaks the heck out. 
And then what does Fromm do the next time he pulls the ball? Well, he tries to run a defender over. I'm sitting in the stands saying, why is Fromm not saying? Why is he trying to run the defender over? And then I watch the replay. I say, oh, it makes sense now. He was, he was taking his coaching. So that's just one example of how he makes a mistake, gets coached up, learns from the mistake. And I think you'll see the same thing with the delay of game penalty and also with the interception as well. Uh, next question here from Jared. Uh, Jared says, "Can you el- or ask? Can you elaborate as to why Harrion still appears to be ahead of Holyfield in the running back rotation?" This has become like the most popular topic each and every week. It's the one topic that we have every single week on the mailbag, or at least seems that way. And I get it because it, it, when you watch the two play, it kind of stares you in the face. It's hard not to notice it. And we've talked about this on the show a couple of times, quite a few times. But I- I'm with you, Jared. I absolutely agree. Uh, when you watch the two play, it's night and day, uh, and the production will tell you the same thing. Holyfield is just not producing at the level, or I'm sorry, Harrion is just not producing at the level that Elijah Holyfield is. He's just simply not. Uh, on the year, Brian Harrion is averaging 3.3 yards per carry, while Holyfield is averaging 7.1 yards per carry. And yes, Harrion has gotten a few more carries earlier in games that's better against the first unit defense, perhaps. But the fact remains, when Holyfield gets an opportunity, he is making the most of that opportunity. He is absolutely making people stand up and pay attention to him. So as to why Harrion is still getting carries, ahead of Holyfield? I, I don't know, man. I'm not at practice, so it, maybe it's something he's doing at practice. Maybe he's one of those practice players or Holyfield isn't as much. I don't know. I'm just taking a stab at that one. Uh, I think his versatility might play a role into the fact that we feel more comfortable with him out of the backfield and then lining up in the slot. Maybe that has something to do with it. I really can't explain it. All I can tell you now for this before is two summers ago when I went to watch the open practice, I thought Elijah Holyfield was the best running back out there that day. He looked the best. Sony wasn't really practicing because he had the the injury that offseason going in the North into the North Carolina game. Harrion looked lost, man. He did not look near as good as Elijah Holyfield. Uh, and Nick was doing some things, but you know he he was we really weren't featuring him too much. Didn't want to give him too much work. I loved what I saw from Holyfield. I was convinced that that guy was gonna make an impact on this football team. Then he gets hurt uh, right before the the game starts, or right before the kickoff against North Carolina, or at least a week or so before that. He was ahead of Herring at that point. Well, Herring gets his opportunity in the North Carolina game. His first Herring goes for a touchdown, and he kind of sealed that third running back spot. And Harry, or Holyfield, even when he got healthy, never really got back into that rotation. So maybe it's just kind of carryover from that. But at some point, you got to just look at the numbers and look at the performance and say, Holyfield is just playing better when he gets the opportunities. I think you, at some point, have to realize that. We see it. So you, you know the coaches are seeing that, but maybe Herring is doing something somewhere else. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, and Dan's got the next question about another one about Brian Harrion. And so, Dan, appreciate the question. Dan asks, is Brian Harrion just flat out getting recruited over? My response to that would be simple. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that's pretty clear. I think Holyfield is a better is a better back than him. He's a more highly rated running back. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I think based on what we've seen, again, Holyfield's just a more productive back. I think that Harrion is a good running back in his own right. He's really good in terms of having that piece up for depth purposes. I really think that's a guy that could that could be a solid contributor for us. But I just don't ever see him as a feature back. And when you're bringing in guys like Zamir White, James Cook, you got DeAndre Swift already on the roster, who's already surpassed Brian Harrion. I don't see Harrion ever getting into the rotation as the feature. I think he might be a part of the rotation down at the end, kind of like he is right now. I don't really ever see him elevating his game above that point where he's the fourth or fifth back on the team. And if that's the case, I wonder how long he'll stay. I wonder if he might try to transfer out at some point. I don't know. I would love for him to stay because you can never have too many running backs on roster. Because We've seen far too many times ourselves what can happen when these running backs get some injuries. You know, When you got Brendan Douglas and J.J. Green, starting as your top two running backs in your 2013 season. It's entirely derailed because of that. So we've seen that. So I, I, I'm an advocate of having as many running backs as you possibly can, but we'll see if he decides to stick around. I wish he, I wish he would. I really do. 
All right, next question here is from Josh. And this is an interesting question. You hear this a lot. I can't say that I've never felt this way in my life. But Josh asks, why can't we get any love? And why does the country apparently not want to talk about us? Again, Josh, I, I can't say that I never have felt that way. There's been times when I've felt disrespected on the national media. But it's typically more just isolated people, isolated analysts. I don't know, like Kirk Herstreet, like Greg McElroy, guys like that. But I think the answer to your question is why don't we get more love is as simple as this. We have the we have the Alabama shadow in the SEC right now. Everyone in the SEC has measured Alabama, and right now no one's been able to measure up. We're getting closer there, all right? We are putting up a fight right now. Uh, we got a little bit of ways to go, but we're getting closer. But So I think we need to beat Alabama. It's as simple as that. Once we beat Bama, if we dethrone them in the SEC, then all of a sudden we'll get all the respect you could ever ask for. But right now they have set the standard, and until we beat them, we'll be seen as a good team, a really good team even, but not an Alabama team, not Alabama. And we've got to beat them for that to happen. And I know this is an unpleasant fact. And we like we don't I don't want to look at it. I don't like talking about it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like thinking about it. I don't. I don't like saying it. But the fact is, we just haven't been consistently good enough since 2007 to warrant a ton of national love. We just haven't. I I think, I feel at least, it's just me. I'm one dude, okay? I can be completely off base on this. But thinking about this question, I think that a lot of us out there in the Bulldog Nation have kind of had a higher opinion of ourselves than was maybe warranted at times over the last 10 years since 2007. I mean, I think what we were looking at is like, okay, we're looking at our tradition. Traditionally, we are one of those powerhouses and potential. Like, we have everything in store to be a great program. We have all the tradition. We have the fan support. We have the money. We have the resources. Uh, we have the in-state talent. We have everything that you can want. We have a great university. We have everything you can want. We have a, an incredible college town, everything you could want. All that potential is there. But the fact is, our production between 2017 and this 2017, or this, I'm sorry, our production between 2007 and this 2017 season right now simply has, hasn't been great. We, we've been good in that 10-year period of time, but we haven't really been great outside of maybe 2012. And guys, I mean, I hate to break it to you, but that's largely how we were treating the media. We were treated as a good team, a respectable program, but not an elite program. And that's kind of who we've been for the past decade outside of 2012. And I'll say this year, I know we're not getting as much love as Alabama and like Penn State, now Ohio State after they beat Penn State, but I think we're getting far more love than we have in the recent past. I think we've got to be fair there. And now you still do have some of the major figures out there that, that move the needle, the big movers and shakers like Kirk Herbstreet that still haven't truly bought in 100%. But I'm telling you, if we beat Alabama, that will change. That will change. That's the key. We've got to beat Alabama. Sure, I think we should probably get a little, be getting a little more love than we are right now. But I, I think right now we're getting as much love as we've earned. Okay, We're getting a lot of love right now. We've earned that love this season. But to start getting Alabama-level love, I think we need to beat Alabama. And I know you can sit there and say, well, Penn State, what has Penn State done? Okay, they're getting all this love. Well, I mean, Penn State won the Big Ten last year, okay? Uh, they beat Ohio State last year, okay? They, they beat the big dude in their conference. They beat Ohio State last year, went to the Big Ten Championship game, won the Big Ten Championship game, went to the Rose Bowl, put up a hell of a fight against USC, fell short, but it was an epic game where it could have gone either way. So that's what we got to do. You got to knock off the big boy on the block in your conference. And we haven't done that yet. I, I, we got a shot this year. We got a shot, but we got to do that first. All right, and the last question here is from b 4 Real on Twitter. Thanks for the question, man. And he says, I think we can replace most guys next year on defense. But if Roquan goes, there's a drop that can only be filled by team, not one player. And b for real I, I absolutely 100% agree with you, man. That's a, that's a true statement. 
the dude is a stud. Roquan Smith is a freaking stud. He is an All-American if there's ever been an All-American. He, I think he's the, him and Lorenzo Carr have been the keys to our defense for different reasons. But Roquan Smith has just been, he's been clearly the best player in our defense, game in and game out, down in and down out. Uh, and I agree that no one on our roster is ready to take his place. We have some good young guys. You've got Monty Rice who shows some promise. I think Nate Bryce is going to be pretty good back down the road once he uh, kind of figures things out a little bit. But no no one on that roster right now is Roquan Smith. I think Nature's Patrick will take another step forward if he returns next year, but he's still not going to be Roquan Smith. If you think about this, there's another thing I was thinking about the past couple of days, guys. Like We could legitimately only have two to three starters returning on defense next year. Like Legitimately. We know that Lorenzo and Davin are gone. We know that Aaron Davis is gone. We know that Dominic Sanders is gone. Uh, Malcolm Parrish is a sometime starter. We know he's gone. Trent Thompson could be gone. Roquan could be gone. Jonathan Ledbetter could be gone. There's a lot of guys that could be leaving. Guys. And that could leave us with two to three starters returning. Probably more like three or four, but we're going to lose a lot of guys. Uh, but you're right, no one is going to be able to replace Roquan. We're going to have to do that as a team. We have a lot of talent uh, in the 2D, a lot of young guys with a lot of talent, guys like Richard LeCount, D'Angelo Gibbs. But, you know, it's it's scary to think that we're going to be replacing all of that experience, and that's a big part of why we've been so good this year defensively because we have great leadership. We also have a lot of experience, and we have some guys that are probably more talented than guys like Dominic Sanders and Aaron Davis behind them, but they don't have that experience. So it's a little concerning to be sure. All right, guys. Well, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. Sorry I had to go solo on you. I know it's probably not what you prefer. I know you'd rather probably have Kurt on here. But, you know, definitely don't want to leave you guys saying I want to give you something. Figured me going solo was better than nothing at all. But Kurt will be back uh, for Thursday's South Carolina game preview show. And uh, we'll have you guys completely covered as always then. So I really appreciate you guys sticking with me today. Thanks for listening. I'm Tyler. As always, guys, go dogs.